this Sunday. I look forward to Sundays. It's the highlight of my week. As we gather together, as we gather together to sing and to worship together, and today we do celebrate the great things that God has done in our lives and the things that he plans to do in the hearts and lives of you, people that are here in the congregation. So thank you for allowing me to be your pastor, to come and to share my convictions about our Christ to you as we believe that he is already here to transform our lives. Do you believe that? Amen. There's a word from the Lord for us today in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. And we'll begin our reading in verse 11. Then he said, meaning God, to me, meaning Ezekiel, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. And we are cut off. Father, in the name of Jesus, give us an anointing that makes preaching easy and effective today. Someone who has lost their hope, Father, I pray today that their hope would be restored. And uh, those that are walking through times where they feel like they've been cut off, Father, I pray that they'll leave here today differently than which they came in. And we'll give you praise for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Shake two or three hands. Give them a big old smile. And then you may be seated in the presence of the Lord today. Sounds a bit demoralizing, even a bit depressing. But the people of Israel said of themselves, our bones are dry. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. I want to talk, teach, and preach today on the subject of hopeless. Hopeless. Or maybe another way would be to title it, When You Run Out of Hope. Hope is that sense of expectation that sense of assurance, that sense that something is going to transpire to make things better. Hope is when you have that sense of longing, that sense of expectation, that ability to look forward to know that something is going to shift in your direction to make things better. It seems, my brothers and sisters, as we read the self-declaration of the people of Israel, that they have no expectation. They have no desire. They have no sense of assurance that things are going to get better. Listen again to their proclamation. They said of themselves, our bones are dry. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. 
These are they, my brothers and sisters, people who have been taken away from their homeland and everything near and dear to them has been shifted. They know not of the surroundings of which they find themselves in and they're dealing with the cruel foot of Nebuchadnezzar and his people as they place their feet on the necks and dis of, Israel, of the children of Israel and are disallowing them to have the kind of progress and productivity that they so desire to have. And as a consequence of this, they would say to themselves, our bones are dry, our hope is gone, our uh, lives, we are cut off. And it's a sad reality, isn't it, to say that of yourself, that my hope is gone. It's a horrible thing to say of yourself, I feel like I've been cut off, that I have no hope. It's a sad reality that the circumstances of their day have landed them in a scene, a setting, a situation that does not allow them to have the productivity and progress that they desire to have. Have you heard what they said? Once again, they said of themselves, not of someone else, of themselves, our bones are dried, our hope is gone, we are cut off. For those of you who grew up in the church and grew up in Sunday school, you know that this is the text in Ezekiel chapter 37, and it is commonly known as Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones. These are they who have their disconnected, disjointed, disorganized bones strewn throughout the Mesopotamian Valley, and as a consequence, there seemingly is no life. There seemingly is no productivity. Their bones are dry, and it's a horrible circumstance in which they find themselves because they feel cut off. Their hope is gone so much that these singing, shouting, celebrating people cannot even sing anymore. Listen to what they say in the Psalms when their captors required a song of them. They simply said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Brothers and sisters, if you're not careful, if you don't do something to hold on to your hope, you can find yourself in a similar situation when life takes a mean cruel turn on you, when life tries to knock the life out of you, when life does something to back you into a corner from which you know that, that there it will be no swift release. And somebody in church right now can testify that there's been some days when I wondered whether or not I had anything to hope for. There have been some days when my hope was hushed. There's been some days when I did not have a hallelujah in my voice anywhere. And maybe you don't want to admit it because you're too close to the people sitting around you. But somebody sitting in here right now is testifying and saying to themselves, Oh yes, I have been there, Pastor, when my hope was seemingly gone. When I could not have the progress or productivity that I desired in my life. So here they are. And uh, many of us have been here, perhaps. It was, uh, it was some situation, some setting, some saga that took place in your life that disallowed you of having hope that you wanted. Maybe like our Bahamian brothers and sisters down in the Bahamas who are trying to recover from a literal severe storm. Our Bahamian brothers and sisters have lost 
everything and now they're trying to bounce back and some of them probably are saying my hope is gone our brothers and sisters over in the Carolinas North and South Carolina are trying to recover still our brothers and sisters in Houston Texas who had to deal with Imelda are still dealing with the effects of that after having gone through Harvey a short time earlier their hope is gone someone in North Carolina someone in South Carolina they're dealing with the reality that the severe storms can show up in your life and severe storms can knock the life out of you and let's be honest everybody in church today can testify all storms are not tornadic all storms are not hurricanes somebody knows something about a personal storm somebody in here knows something about an emotional storm somebody in here knows something about a financial storm somebody in here knows something about a psychological storm severe storms show up in our life and if it's not severe storms it's the suicidal thoughts and suicidal statistics suicidal statistics are on the rise even as i speak just last month, a pastor, in California, a pastor in California took his own life. And the very next day, the director of the Penn Psychological Services Department took his life. A pastor who had been writing about mental health concerns and dealing with depression took his own life. And then the next day, the director of Penn Psychological Services took his own life. And then I read where an associate pastor in Chicago took his life. And my friends, this is strange because this happened in September which is Suicide Awareness Prevention Month. Even last night I was reading online where yet there was another call to a coroner who had to go out because of a person who decided there was nothing to live for and took their life here in our very county. This is the reality brothers and sisters that life can be cruel and sometimes you want to wave the white flag of surrender and sometimes you want to say stop this ride I want off somebody in here I'll preach with you or without you today I feel an anointing in this house somebody today knows something about it because even when you're sitting here listening to me someone sitting here at some point has had suicidal ideation at some point in their life thinking that that was the way out now you may not want to tell anybody but I thank God that you made it to church today because I want to tell you that all all hope is not lost. All hope is not gone. Hold on to your hope. Hope can be taken away from some of us as a result of some severe storms. And as we look at the rise of suicidal statistics, brothers and sisters, it's just a stressful, some people say it's just a stressful season. And that seemingly is where these brothers and sisters of the house of Israel find themselves in a protractive, prolonged season of suffering and stress. They're so worn out that by the time they get to the text, the text says that they said of themselves, our bones are dry, our hope is gone, and we have been cut off. There's no 
hope for us, no reason for us to keep going, no reason for us to try to keep progressing, no reason for us to pursue our dreams, which is possibly down the line for us that God has for us. And here they are. And in this context, the God of our salvation knows exactly what to do when his people are dealing with the loss of their hope, when they're dealing with the rough realities of their lives. May I give you some good news this morning? Whenever you are in a season of your life, in this particular season of your life where you feel like your hope is gone, your God is so good that your God will raise up a prophet to speak into your life, amen, to let you know that hope is not lost. Great God, you missed a good opportunity to say amen right there. Whenever your hope is gone, whenever you feel like your bones are dry, whenever you feel like you're cut off, God knows how to raise up someone in just a nick of time. God knows, oh, let me preach here a minute. God knows how to use a YouTube clip, amen, to encourage you. God knows how to use a Facebook post. I know you think it's all bad, but God knows how to use a Facebook post to lift your Lord. God knows how to use a Facebook video. I'm telling you, God knows, amen. God knows how to speak into the lives of his people to let them know that hard times don't last always, that God is in control and everything is going to be all right. Great God, I wish two or three people in here who are still believing that no matter how bad the situation, if God be for us, who can be against us? I wish you'd give him a great hand clap of praise right now in this house. They say our hope is gone. Our bones are dry. We're cut off. But God raises up a prophet. His name is Ezekiel, and when God raises up this prophet, this prophet is sent on an assignment, and he is deputized to speak life into the dead, dry, desecrated bones. God always sends a prophet. God always sends a Moses to tell his people that they have liberation as part of their reality. God always sends a prophet. He'll send Joel to let them know that restoration is still a possibility. God always sends a prophet. He'll send a Jeremiah to let people know to get themselves together. God will always send a prophet in your direction to speak life into your direction. He'll send an Amos to let you know that justice is still a reality no matter how bad the circumstances of life may be. God will always send a prophet to speak truth and amen to the people, amen, to let people know that God is still in complete Control. Can you say amen in here today? God raises up an Ezekiel, and when God raises up Ezekiel, he sends him down to the valley of dry bones. And he says, I want you to go down there, and I want you to walk around among the bones. According to the text, God meets him on his assignment. He gives him what I call uh, point number one. I got three of them for you. Amen. Amen. He gives him what I call a pragmatic examination. A pragmatic examination. Watch the movement of the text. When you see Ezekiel chapter 37, we are presented with a pragmatic examination. God sent Ezekiel down to the valley of dry bones. One old preacher said, God sent him down to a dead church. 
He sent that preacher down to a dead, dried up, dusty old church and he told him to walk around among the bones and tell me what you see. He says, I want to know what you are seeing. What are you sensing? This is pragmatic examination. Tell me what you feel when you're walking around. Don't tell me what you learned in seminary. That's not what I want to know right now. Don't tell me what you learned in the school of the prophets, Ezekiel. That's not what I want to know right now. Tell me what do you see? What do you you sense. I want to know what you feel about what these people are feeling. Can you experience what they are experiencing? Son of man, walk around in the bones. I want to see if you have enough sense to just walk around and feel what the folk are going through and experience the decimation and the desecration that's going on in their lives. I want you to feel them. Now, Ezekiel has some things going for him. Don't miss it because verse 1 says that the hand of the Lord is upon him. That's good news right there, amen. That means the favor of God is on the life of Ezekiel, amen. That means that some folk will, uh, will come and get him out of line when there's a long line, amen. You ever been there before? You're at the back of the line, all at once somebody comes and says, hey, come here, you come up here where I'm at. Come up here where, where I'm standing. That, that means that some folk will come and get him out of line when it's a long line. That means that he has favor in this situation. But not only is the hand of God upon on him, but the Spirit of God is leading him. Brothers and sisters, when you've got the hand of God and when you've got the Spirit of God leading you, it doesn't matter how ugly the situation, how tiring the circumstance, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Amen. He says, tell me, Ezekiel, what do you see? Tell me, Ezekiel, what are you experiencing as you walk around? Then God asked Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? Now, it's an examination, remember. He says, can these bones live? You've been walking around these bones. They seem to be dry. They seem to be desecrated, desecrated and dead. No, no hope in them. I'm asking you, Ezekiel, do you think they can live again? Now, worship center, you need to know that when God asks a question, uh, he does not ask it to get the answer. Amen. He asks the question to get your answer. What are you feeling? What are you sensing? What are you perceiving? Can these bones live? How do you feel about the situation? Can that child be restored? What do you feel? Can this country be turned around? How are you feeling, Ezekiel? What are you feeling? Can that family be reconciled back together? Can these bones live? Can that sickness be healed? Can that person be delivered? Can this situation be rectified? Can can that job be turned around? Can these bones live? What do you say about the situation? Your church going self, your hand clapping, foot stomping, worship center member. Can these bones live again? What do you see when you walk around in your neighborhoods and in your communities? I like Ezekiel. Ezekiel's a wise man. He says, Lord, you know. He does not try to answer the question with a real answer. He says, Lord, you know you're the sovereign God. You know everything. You know circumstances can be turned around. You, you, you're well able to know what nobody else knows. Amen. Lord, you know. And God says, that's a good answer, son. 
Now that you're walking around in these bones in this season where their hope is gone, now that you've dealt with this pragmatic examination, I want you to provide for them number two, prophetic proclamation. Prophetic proclamation. Watch the text. It moves into prophetic proclamation. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to preach to the bones, Ezekiel. Prophesy to the bones. Proclaim to the bones. And this is what I want you to say. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Pause, rewind, press play. He says, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. He says, Lord, you know if they can live or not. He says, good answer, preach to the bones. Prophesy to the bones. Proclaim to the bones. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, child of God, Maybe you uh, have not rejoiced about what I just said because you don't know what it's like. Uh, you, you don't know what the Word of God maybe has the power to do. Maybe you're not rejoicing because you don't understand that. Maybe you've never been in a tight spot before and see God move. But if you know anything about the power of the Word of God, you'll understand that when the Word of God goes forth according to God's own declaration, His Word never returns to Him void. But when God's Word goes out, it's always going to accomplish exactly what He sent it to accomplish. And you ought to believe every day of your life that the Word of God has power. Oh, I wish somebody in here would give Him a great... As a matter of fact, I know that the Word of God has power because it would make no sense for any of us at all to get up early in the morning on Sunday, get all dressed up on a Sunday morning, drive yourself all the way over here to 420 Cardinal Drive, come into the Church of God Worship Center. If we didn't think that God was going to have a Word, if we didn't think the Word was going to be proclaimed that was going to give us a renewed hope, a renewed sense of strength, a renewed sense of joy, is there anybody in this this building this morning who will testify with me that the word of God still works. Amen. No, 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 no. I don't think you heard me. Not just an amen, but I want you to celebrate until your pew partner sitting next to you believes it. Is there anybody in here today who believes that the word of God still works? Third, third time, third, I've heard third time's a charm. Is there anybody today who still believes that the word of God still works? Amen. Why is that important? Because we have people that sit on the pews of the worship center church every week who seemingly have lost their hope. Dried up hope. And I'm so thankful that God has raised up men and women of God in this house who knows how to preach, who knows how to teach, who knows how to testify, who knows how to witness that when they have lost their hope that there is still a God on the throne who renews their spirit. Amen. And that one word from the word of God, one word from the Lord can turn their situation around. This ain't the time to get sleepy when preaching is going on. I see some of y'all every week. You're texting on your phones, you're playing your games, you're checking your Facebook. This ain't the time, amen, to do that in church. This ain't the time to get sleepy and bored in church. This ain't the time to send a text message or to pass notes. This ain't the time to check your phone. This is the time to hear the word of the Lord. 
And, and, and so Ezekiel, he started preaching. The sermon is not given to us in the text, although we know uh, he started preaching. That's all we know. And while he was preaching, he found out that God just didn't want him to preach to the bones. God said, preach to the wind. Preach to the breath. Because proclamation leads to inspiration. And while he's proclaiming, he says, preach to the wind, the breath. That's unique because the wind and the breath in the Hebrew, that word is ruach. It's the same word from Genesis chapter 2. Because in Genesis 2, God breathed into the nostrils of humanity the breath of life. And they became a living soul. And it was that same ruach that, we, that, that he preaches to. Because he now understands that if, the, if he can get inspired. And if he can inspire them. If he can breathe in them. That's the same word as the Holy Spirit. And if they get the Holy Spirit on them. That, oh great God. I don't know about and finish this or not they'll be more they'll be able to do more they'll be more than they ever thought they could be somebody in this church this morning needs to understand that when you get proclamation that leads to inspiration and something happens in you that nobody can shut down is there anybody in here right now that understands that when the spirit of God is on your life you are unstoppable when the Holy Ghost is on you you are undefeatable is there anybody in here who can testify they may try to stop me at my job but when I've got God the word and God the Holy Ghost, there ain't no stop. There ain't no stop in me when I got the Word and the Spirit. Anybody testify? They might try to put racism and sexism and all of that is a lot in my life, but I got a Word and I got the Holy Ghost and I shall not be moved. He says, Preach to the wind, and they got some inspiration. Oh, oh. And as a consequence, proclamation that leads to inspiration leads to stimulation. If you read it in your Bible, it says, while he was preaching, bones started moving around. They started getting stimulated. They can't sit there for a long time when the Word of God is working on them. I just wish two or three people would testify before, before, before I started hearing some good word, I would have never made all this racket in church. Before I started hearing word, amen, I'd have never come down front and showed out, amen. I mean, you know, I wouldn't be clapping and standing up and doing the things that I do. As a matter of fact, that would have used to offend me if I was sitting there in my nice little quiet church and somebody jumped up and hollered amen or clapped their hands in front of me. But now I'm the first one to say, preach, man preach amen because something is stimulating you on the inside amen old saints used to say I wouldn't give you a nickel for something I could not feel sometimes have you ever felt that there was something stirring on the in stimulating you on the inside that just would not let you sit still oh the bones are rattling there's a shaking in the valley. Bones are now getting together. We found out that inspiration leads to proclamation. That leads to stimulation. But stimulation leads to motivation. By the time you get to verse 10, the Bible says that all these bones have gotten back together and they're reconnected. 
tendons are now connected. The sinews are now in place. And your Bible, my Bible says that the whole house stands up as a vast army. You missed it. You missed it. At the top of the lesson, they're dry. They're disconnected. They're dead. They're desecrated bones. By the time the word has been proclaimed over them, they're not just stimulated. They're not just motivated. They stand up like an army. When you get some word in you, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. When you get some word in you, you may come in one way, but by the time the benediction comes, you're like, put me in, coach. Put me in. I'm ready to do this thing. I'm ready to go back to my job. I feel like traveling on. Is there anybody in here who feels like you can do more now that you've got some word in you than you could ever have done before? Amen. Would you help me testify? Amen. You can win our town. We can win our town for the glory of God. We can serve those who are lesser. We can be a blessing to those who are underprivileged. Is there anybody in here who will testify that there is an army being built right here at 420 Cardinal Drive at the worship center? This is not a place for weak and wimpy worshipers, but this is a place where there's some warriors of God in this house. Great God Almighty, I wish you'd shout in here. Come on, clap your hands, all ye people. I was getting ready to look for you. Let me give you one last thing. He said, preach to the bones. And now that this prophetic, pragmatic proclamation has gone forth, the Israelites are standing up like an army. Only one problem is, is they're speaking less than where God wants them to be. They still say, our hope is gone. Our bones are dry. We're cut off. So God moves them into point number three, prolific restoration. Prolific restoration. Oh, this is better than butter beans, folks. They've been saying our bones are dry. They've been saying we're cut off. That's what they keep saying of themselves. Our bones are dry. We're cut off. No motivation. No inspiration. Our bones are dry. Our hope is gone. We have no hope. We're cut off. It's always going to be like it is right now. They feel that nothing good is going to come out of this situation because they have no expectation. They have no desire for anything better. Their hope is gone. They said that in verse 11. But if you keep reading, you'll see that God said, I said, these are my people. I said, I'm going to settle them back into their homeland. I said, they will know that I am the Lord their God. Don't miss this. In the last verses of this story, God said, I heard what they said, but what they said does not line up with what I said. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? I said, they're my people. I said, I'm going to restore them. And I said, they will know that I am the Lord their God. Now, I just gave you three reasons to shout and rejoice and run all over this place. 
Let me unpack it for you. He said, they are my people. If you understand what it means to be God's people, you know that they got that, that, that you've got some, they had and, and you've got somebody fighting for you when you can't fight for yourself. I said, if you're God's people, you've got somebody fight. Did you hear what I said? When you're God's people, you've got somebody fighting for you when you can't find for yourself. If you know what it means to be God's people, it means that God is on your side even when everybody else leaves your side. Is there anybody here who knows that he said he'll never, 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 never leave you or forsake you? He's always right there. As a matter of fact, you are personal property. You are private property. I need somebody to shout in here who knows that you're a daughter of God. I need somebody to shout who knows that you're a son of God and that he's on my side. He said, not only are they my people, but I'm going to restore them to the place where they've been taken exile. I'm going to take them back into their homeland. I'm going to settle them back into the places where they once were. And I'm going to let them know that everything is going to be all right. If you know anything about restorative power, the restorative power of God, amen, I want you to encourage somebody who may not know that our God is a God of restoration. I don't know what you came in here today missing. I don't know what you came in here drained of. I don't know what you've been depleted of, but I've come to tell you today that whatever it is that you've lost, God is able to restore it. He's able to restore your hope. Let me say that again. He's able to restore your hope. Third time's a charm. He's able to restore your hope. He's able to restore your joy. He's able to restore your peace. He's able to restore, great God, he's able to restore your family. I've come by to tell somebody he can restore everything that the palmer worm and the canker worm have taken away. Is there anybody who knows that he will restore your soul, amen? Come on, somebody shout in this place right now. Is there anybody here who can look back along the journey of your life and say, I lost some things in my life. I lost a job. I, I lost a 401k. I, I lost some money along the way. I lost some friends along the way. Amen. I, I didn't know if I would ever be able to regain or recover again, but here I am today. I'm a living, breathing testimony of that God, what God is able to do, that he's able to restore what the enemy stole from me. He said, I'm going to call them my people, and I'm going to restore everything they lost. And he said, and then they will know that I am God. Anybody in here able to testify that when he restores, when the enemy steals, when God restores, when he calls you his child, when he calls you his daughter, when he calls you his son, is there anybody in here to the, today that knows beyond a shadow of a doubt because he's restored some things, he's given you some things back 
beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is God. I wish you'd raise the roof in this place one time today. Oh, don't pity Pat. Don't pity Pat. Somebody give him a shout with a voice of triumph. Somebody give him a hallelujah. Somebody give him a wave offering. Somebody give him a clap offering. Would to God one or two of you just begin walking around this building, lifting your hands and glorifying God. Would you do it? Would you do it? Would you do it? Would you just lift your hands, walk around, and glorify God in this house? Because you're his child. And he'll restore. And when he restores, you will know that he is God. Can I get a good amen? Here's the altar call, very simply, right now in your seat. If you feel like you came in here today, if you came in here today and, and you felt like in your heart that all hope was gone, that it was a listen, God's word won't return void unto him. You just felt like, what's the use? You just felt defeated. You just felt kind of down and out. Don't walk. I want you to run to this altar right now. Just run. Just run. Just run. Just come on right now. You came in defeated, but you're be come on somebody. Come on somebody. Come on somebody. Come on somebody. Who am I talking to? Who am I preaching to right now?